Good morning and welcome to MRAC Church Online. Hey, good morning to those at home and those here in the worship center. And for those of you that are just checking in and seeing what uh, our services are like, like, I pray that God would speak into your life and that we would be able to experience the freedom that God has called us to in the Word of God. We're going to continue in this study in, uh, in Joshua, the, the series. I'm in chapter 6, and I'm going to be talking about strongholds because we recognize when it came to Israel, they had a problem stepping into this promised land, and the stronghold was the wall of Jericho and the people of Jericho. And let me try to describe uh, a stronghold. As a kid in elementary school and high school for that matter i was really short <laughs> i mean really short and so i was easily to be picked on and i knew if i would get hit uh, a punch in the face i would just go flying so i had learned when bullies came uh, if i could be quick enough to drop them over onto their stomach fall on their knee, so my scrawny knee was in their knee, and I'd grab their leg and just pull it over. We discovered that was excruciating pain, and sometimes I would hold them there till the recess bell was over and then run to class. Now, the problem with this, it was a stronghold. They could not get out of it without causing them some pain because they could easily have thrown me if they were willing to take some pain. But most Everyone that I've done it to, they, they stayed there because I would just cause more pain on their life. That was my stronghold that I could hold people down. The problem is, as a kid, they would eventually get, find me. <laughs> so they would eventually take me down. So I would, instead of taking the bus, I would, I would run home after school, uh, which was miles, whatever kilometers are, uh, but that was a stronghold that we could have. And I realized, Neil Anderson says, I think it's like 85% of Christians have, are in bondage. There are strongholds in their life they cannot get free from. Israel was in that same place. They came up to the waters. There was Jericho, and they said, no way, I'm going back to the promise, into the wilderness. And they died there. It was the next generation that we're talking about right now in chapter 6. So look up chapter 6 of Joshua and follow along, because I'm, I'm just going to pull some scripture out today instead of reading the whole narrative just for the sake of time. But I do pray. Heavenly Father, I do pray that you would give me your words. I pray that you would speak into our hearts, that we would find the freedom, that we would recognize the mighty power that you have to set the captives free. And Lord, I pray for that, each one that is listening. I ask in Jesus' name, amen. Joshua chapter 6. Now Jericho was shut up inside and out. They were shut down. There was no way anybody was going to get in or out, okay? Because the people of Israel, all because of the people of Israel, they were stuck in their Jericho. They were in lockdown, like COVID. They were stuck in their place, okay, because of Israel. 
No one went out. No one came in. And the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have given Jericho into your hand with all its kings and the mighty men there. Like, as in chapter 5, it said they were, there was nothing left of them. They had no backbone. They were afraid. Why? Why were they so afraid? Number one principle we need to understand. The enemy is fearful of God and his people. The enemy is fearful of God and his people. And man, we need to get hold of this, that the enemy is defeated. He's a roaring lion with no teeth. And we, we get paralyzed and say, it's too big, it's too strong, I cannot break this. And number one principle we need to understand is God and his people, the enemy is afraid of it. He can't hold us down. He can't. He's powerless. We need to just obey God. And we need to do this. I find people, they're already afraid. They already know they're not pleasing to God, those that don't walk with Jesus. They are, I, I don't have to go say, hey, this is your sin. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit convicts the world of sin and of right, unrighteousness and of who Jesus is. That's the work of the Spirit of God. And we just join in with him as we show the, bring the gospel to people. So they're already afraid. They already know the power of God and his people, especially when they're living out. Look at Israel. Whoa. They walked over on dry ground over the flooded river, and here they are, they are afraid. And recognize, even in, uh, I wrote down here Romans chapter 1, talks about the wrath of God, but in verse 20, for although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking. And their foolish hearts were darkened, claiming to be wise, they became fools. The people in Jericho, the stronghold that was holding Israel back, they already put their nose up against God. I read that, I talked to you about that last week. The stench, their wickedness. They already knew they were enemies of God. But here they are, before the big walls of Jericho, and God's saying, don't worry, I got this. But where are you on when you think of the walls of Jericho? And, the, and we're scared of the, how are we going to get in? What are we going to do? They're bigger than us. The walls are bigger than us. There's no way we can take this stronghold down. And so often, we talk to God about how big the wall is. We talk to God of how big the giants of the enemy is when we need to be talking to the mountain and telling them how big God is, how big our God is. They already know they're fearful of it. And God says, see, look, they're afraid. They're afraid of you. They're afraid of, of, of him. Once we know the enemy is powerless before our God, 
Once you know that, it's an easier step forward in walking with Jesus. Now, there is another part to this as we look at this, because we, first we need to understand the enemy, they already know God is powerful. <laughs> it's we that need to know God is powerful. Okay, and once we know that, we, we start understanding the attributes and the character of God. As you read through the scriptures, you discover, man, God is powerful. And you're with him. You can come to him. Once we know that, then you need to take the next step. And we need to trust God's math. God's math does not always use the logic that you or I have. You know, when we pray, we got something figured out. We ask God, this is how you got to work. Okay? Uh, but look at this. Now, the older generation said, forget it. I'm out of here. This generation said, okay. God, what do you want us to do? Look at this in verse 3. Verse 3. You shall march around the city. All of the men of war are going to go around the city once. And then they do this for six days. And he goes, The seven priests shall bear seven trumpets of ram horns before the ark, and on the seventh day you shall march around it, the city, seven times. And the priests shall blow the trumpets. And when they make a long blast with the ram's horn, when you hear the sound of the trumpet, then all of the people shall shout with a great shout, and the walls of the city will fall down flat. And the people will shall go up, everyone straight before them. You're saying, what? God's math. Does that make any logical sense unless you knew the power of God? It would not make... Okay, I'm walking around every day, seventh day, I'm walking around seven times, and I am going to yell. Do you think it's your yelling that is going to do it? Or your obedience to trust in God? There's an equation here that all comes together. Let me put it this way. Billy's got five loaves and two fish. How many people can he feed? Maybe seven? Now add Billy's fish and his five loaves and put them in the hands of Jesus. How many does he feed then? 5,000 leftovers? God's math is different than yours. The important thing is when he calls you to do it, you step out and do it. Israel stepped out and did what they said to do. I mean, to give you another example. It's in John uh, 9, verse 6. There's a blind man, born blind. They want to argue why, who sinned. And Jesus just wants to heal the man. He goes, spits on the ground, makes some mud, puts it in his eyes. And says, go wash in the pool of Shalom. And he comes back seeing. How does saliva and dirt and the pool 
heal somebody and let them get their sight back. You know it's not the saliva. You know it's not the mud. You know it's not the pool. It's the faith that you stepped out and obeyed what God said. Israel did not question what God said. Israel didn't question what God said. It blows me away. In verse 8, follow along in, the, in your Bible there, verse 8. Just as Joshua had commanded, the people did. The seven priests bearing the seven trumpets of ram, horns before the Lord, went forward blowing the trumpets with the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord following them. And the armed men were walking before the priests who were blowing the trumpets. And the rear guard was walking after the Ark while the trumpets blew continually. They did exactly what Joshua said. And then in verse, verse 12, it says, And Joshua rose early in the morning, and the priests took up the ark of the Lord, and the seven priests bearing the seven trumpets of ram horns before the ark of the Lord walked on, and they blew the trumpets continually. And the armed men were walking before them, and the rear guard was walking after the ark of the Lord while the trumpets were continually blowing. And the second day they marched around the city once and returned into the camp. And so they did for six days. They didn't ask any questions. I ask a lot of questions when God calls me to do something. I battle it. Uh, but they just obeyed. Remember the first generation said, no way. We can't trust your promise. I'm going to stay and live in the wilderness till I die. Not experiencing the fullness of what God had given them. You and I are saying, we have our opinions. We have endless books that we can read on, and great knowledge on how things work. We can discuss, argue, debate about what God says, about all sorts of things. But what I've learned, I've learned that we need to trust God's math, that I needed to trust God's math. It doesn't always make sense. But God does it. How does, in this equation of math, a dropout, an addict, somebody with ADHD that cannot think for a moment straight and, and jump into squirrel to squirrel, how can that person get to a place where he can hold down a job, let alone be a preacher set free? The equation is when I trusted Jesus. Jesus transformed my life. And here I am today. That is the power of God. That is an equation that does not make sense in our world thinking and process. Stop debating. Just trust Jesus at his word. And he transforms our lives. Someone said... One cross, three nails, brings forgiveness to you and me. We've got to stop questioning it. Just trust him and watch what he does. Because Israel 
because they said yes to what God called them to do, the crazy math that it was, there was actually lives that were changed. And you need to realize this. People's lives will be changed when you recognize the enemy is already afraid of God and you, defeated. And then when you take that and you obey what God says, lives will be changed. And it was for Rahab the prostitute and all her family in verse 17. Only Rahab and the prostitute and all Rahab the prostitute and all her family, her household, were saved. And they walked with Israel, they lived with Israel, and they trusted in their God. And I realize that when we actually do recognize the enemy's defeated, that I can follow whatever Jesus says in his math, people's lives will be changed. Number one, my life will be changed. But as you do those things, our lives point to God. Our lives point to the Savior by how we live and trust. And people will turn to Jesus because of your life in the hands of God when you trust him with the crazy math of what he calls you to do. That's his power. That's what he does. I mean, does it make any sense in Acts chapter 4, verse 1. And as they were speaking to the people, the priests and the captains of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them. They were greatly annoyed because they were teaching the people and proclaiming Jesus and the resurrection from the dead. And so they arrested them. Now we would stop right there and say, woe is me. I was telling people about Jesus. I was doing his math and I get thrown into prison. But look what happens if we didn't stop there. But many of those who had heard the word believed and the number of men came to about 5,000. Lives are changed when we trust him with God's math, not our own. When we just obey what he says. What he calls you to do, you do it. It doesn't make sense. It, it doesn't make sense at all. It would not make sense for God, you call me to Hazelton. There was nothing in Hazelton. We drove up to Hazelton. We had no place to live. We lived in the church basement. We could be bitter and angry at God, say, God, why didn't you provide for us? We took the basement. There was classrooms. Our kids became, that was their classrooms. That became their bedrooms. The kitchen, people came from service and came down and we hosted people. <laughs> it was crazy. And it didn't make any sense. But through the process, we got into a house through native housing. And because we were literally on the street and had no place to go, we got bumped to the top of the list. And it was just down the road from the church. We don't understand, and people would look back and say, wow, that God did all that. And it just pointed back to Jesus, the miraculous of how it, it all came together. 
and, the, and people saw what God was doing? Do we recognize when we trust God with the crazy math that doesn't make sense, he will point people to him. It gives glory to him when you obey. And the bottom end, we don't want to forget and stop here to recognize that God takes down the strongholds. When we trust and obey him, he takes down the strongholds. I mean, literally, the walls came down in verse 20. And so the people shouted and the trumpets were blown. And as soon as the people heard the sound of the trumpet, the people shouted with a great shout. It just blows me away. And the walls fell down flat. And so the people went into the city, every man straight before them, and captured the city. That is the power of God that brings down strongholds. Will you trust him? Will you recognize today the enemy is defeated? Stop letting him hold you to the ground. Get up. But listen to God's math and what he calls you to do. Some of you, you haven't been doing that. Seven days they had to go around. Seven days, I challenge you to get on your knees and seek the Lord in prayer and in his word and say, God, I'm here. Speak. Speak to me. I recognize today the enemy is defeated and I have been living a powerless life caught in bondage, a stronghold holding me down that I cannot experience the fullness that you promised me. God, show me your math of what you want me to do. Confess, repent, turn to him. That's a starter. And then there's going to be steps that he will show you that you will find freedom. But you need to listen. You've got to stop listening and looking at the walls, saying the walls are too big, God. I can't break it down. The walls are too big, God. I can't break it down. And start telling those walls, God is bigger. God is bigger than my enemy. God is bigger than my bondage that I'm stuck in. He can set you free today. He can do that. He is powerful to do that. Take some time this week. Take this whole week. Seek the Lord. Obey what he says. Stop arguing with him. Stop debating. If you've never given your life to Jesus and you just love to debate about it, just listen to what he says. One cross, three nails, equals forgiveness for you if you will trust him. Will you do that one step to bend your knee, to surrender to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, to confess your sin before him. He will forgive you. And he's going to point people to Jesus by how you choose to live. When you trust the crazy math that doesn't make any sense. Some of you, it's like God's calling you out of a career and going into missions. Stop just thinking this is where it's at. Stop just thinking, okay, this is where I'm, I'm in my comfort zone. God's challenging you as he challenges me. Step out of the comfort zone. Trust me, obey me. But that means you need to be listening to him instead of ignoring him. 
That means you need to, to be in his word, seeking him. Heavenly Father, I pray for each one listening today. I pray, God, that your spirit would speak, that we would hear it so clearly of what your word says, that we would repent, we would turn, that we would trust you unconditionally, unquestioning of what you call us to do, we will obey. As we read your word and we hear your word, we will obey your word. And Lord, I pray that as we do, you'll transform our lives and bring freedom for those caught in bondage. And Lord, everything that takes place will bring glory and honor to you. I ask in the name of Jesus Christ, amen.